Welcome in, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Right off the bat, joining me, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, how are you? Johnny, I have not talked to you on the air since Monday, but I feel like, I don't know, that was yeah, such like a... It's been a while. It's a rushed show. I miss Indy, kind of. Yeah. Because you know? it's all too. football. It's all football people. I, I decided, by the way, that's my favorite event. The combine? Just the combine is my really? favorite event. Yeah, I just love seeing everybody. You know, I love yeah, seeing all cool. the people from the other teams and the other media places. And uh, I just feel like I never get a chance to talk to everybody that I want to talk with. Mm-hmm. And it, everyone always asks me, how do the players look? I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, it had nothing to do with the players <laughs> to me. It's just about being around the league peeps and doing our shows and talking to O'Brien and Gain and getting their take on things. And I just love the whole thing. So, anyway, I thought I'd throw that out there. It's pretty uh, – I, I, I'm probably with you. It's probably my favorite event too. I love India. I love going up there. I just, I love what we're able to do. We get a chance to talk to Obi and Gain. Um, the Senior Bowl is a fun trip for me because I run into a lot of those same peeps. But there's football involved, so there's yeah. at least you get to see that. But you just don't have everybody that's at the combine there. It's kind of a looser structure. Yeah, it's not. It, it's not quite like the combine, and you don't have like. About 120, 130 underclassmen that aren't there. So there ends up being these buzz in the seniors, and then you get to the combine, and there's a lot of buzz on the underclassmen ended up declaring for the draft. Yeah, because, so. I mean, let's face it, the underclassmen, many of them who are coming out are game yes. changers, really. Yes. The other thing about it is this. The, the league is going to take the combine. They're going to move it eventually. It's going to happen. I've heard people are going to be really upset with that. A, a lot of people will really be. Upset. But it's going to happen. It's too big. It's too good an event, or potentially, really. The way they do it now mm-hmm. might not be the way to do it. But the way they could do it yeah. will be a nice event. It won't be the draft, but it'll be a nice event for the fans, sort of this winter fest of the NFL. Mm. And winter is ending, by the way. It is, thankfully. It is. I heard today this was the last. Yesterday was the last freezing temperature in Houston. I thought, uh, duh, it's March. It better yeah. be. Better be. <laughs> it right. better be. Yeah, it's, we got one coming up in May. Yeah, so, ugh. Coming up on the show a little later, we're going to have Tim Kelly. Yes. Newly named offensive coordinator. You and I had a chance to sit down with him uh, a day ago, and he was fan- he's fantastic. So we'll you know get a chance funny? to talk to Tim, and we'll have that for you in the next segment as well. The, the, the public doesn't really know Tim Kelly. Let's just right. be honest here. And even in the building, you know, Tim Kelly, and you've pointed this out before, he's been at a desk, at a computer. He's been really – Busy that way, He's and then plowing. and then elevating tight ends coach, and you know helping out Mike Devlin a little bit with the yep. offensive line. I mean, all of that stuff. He's been really grinding, working, uh, great football mind. But when you talk to him the way we did, and the way everyone will hear, and when you're in the room with them, now you won't see it, but you'll see it on the radio, which is an old <laughs> radio slogan to promote advertising on the radio. You'll see, see it, it on, on the, the radio. radio. So I think everyone will realize that. This guy's going to be a head coach one day. I just feel that. You yeah, just I feel, feel that feel vibe. Too. You feel that vibe from him. He's got it. He does. And we'll see how it goes, and I hope it's not any time that soon because you want to reap the benefits of him as an offensive coordinator. But I just threw that out there. I know Bill O'Brien might not want to hear me say that right now. I say someday. Someday. Yeah. I think it can happen for him. Yeah, I think Tim Kelly, a, he's a fabulous coach. He's going to have a, a, a really incredible opportunity for a younger guy in this business, but it's a fun interview. You definitely want to listen to that. And then in our final segment, we will go in the lab, and I will tell you about offensive guard Cody Ford. 
Guard. Guard. Definitely? Yes. Definitely. I had him in the Vandermock as a tackle. Yeah, guard. Now, no, no doubt. Now, I will tell you, that will not preclude this organization from drafting somebody just because he's a guard and not a tackle. Well, let me ask you this, though. Will another team draft him higher than 23 as a guard? Potentially, potentially yes. That good? Potentially, yeah. I could see Quentin it. Nelson good? No. No, okay. no, no. He's not Quentin Nelson good. Keep in mind with Cody Ford, and we'll talk about a little bit, little bit of this in, in the lab, but in 2017 he played guard. Mm-hmm. And then when the left tackle, Zeus Brown, went to the NFL, yep. they took the right tackle, Bobby Evans, moved over to the left, and then they bumped him out so they could play their Where's guard. Where's Zeus now? He's with the Ravens, like his dad. Oh, started, yeah, that's right. Started 10 of 16 games with the Ravens. Yeah, I like the name Zeus. You but, know, as a play-by-play guy, I want Zeus on my team. They got some. They got some good tackles in uh, Baltimore, and he's going to get even better. I just thought it was really cool. He ended up in Baltimore, where his dad had been. That was mm-hmm. that was that was really neat. There was a really good NFL Films presents episode on Orlando Brown, senior and junior, and Belichick talked about how much he loved Zeus Brown when he coached him in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Loved him. Okay, I was like, whoa! I did not. I did not see that coming. All right, coming up next week, Mark. It's spring break for a lot of people. But in this building, it's potentially going to be hopping because it's the end of the league year, the beginning of the new league year. Now, for a lot of us, you don't think about it like that. You think about free agents. Right. The Texans have got some money to spend, if you will. They don't have as much as the Colts, but they've got more than about 20 to 24 teams in the league. I think they're fifth in the amount of cap space. Now, they've got some room. They've got some room. Now, they've got to pay their, their rookies. Right. And they've got to pay some guys that hopefully they'll be able to bring back. I mean, obviously, Jadeveon Clowney with the franchise tags, that's like $15, 16000000 million that they're going to have to pay at a minimum. Right. Hopefully, Tyron Matthew and or Kareem Jackson coming back, that's going to be some money. Um, the defense alignment as well, Angelo Blackson, Brandon Dunn, Christian Covington, you got to think about bringing them back. So, you've got some of your own guys you got to bring back. So, it's not as if you can just take $72 million and go over to H&M and buy all the clothes you want. Right. Well, you could get a lot of clothes yeah. at H&M for yes. $72 million. But I'd rather can, go to Palais Royal, by the way. But can you get players from outside the building, uh-huh. i.e. free agents? So I sent you a list of the top 100 free agents. Mm-hmm. These do not include all the pass rushers that got tagged. So that okay. does not mean – so Clowney's yeah, out, D. Ford's out, Marcus Lawrence out. Right. Those right. guys are all Can't talk out. about them. Can't yeah. talk about them. Can't talk about them. All right. So I'm going to present – I don't want to say in rapid fire, but rapid fire fashion, but I'm going to present to you a name, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of a case for why it might stick, and then you have to tell me, yes, if the price is right, mm-hmm. I'm undecided. i got to think about that one. Never going to do it. So those okay. are your three categories. Got it. Yes, price has got to be right. Yeah, I need to think about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Undecided. Got or it. Or I'm not undecided, but completely never, no, not doing it. All right, fire away. Let's go. I think number one's sort of complicated to a degree. Trey Flowers, Mm. New England. Okay. 26 years old, 4-3 defensive end, did a lot of good things with the Patriots. It's complicated because I don't know what's happening with J.D. Yeah. Right? I agree. I got Duke Edge of four, but he's outside linebacker, defensive end. This is Romeo Cornell defense. I'm an edge guy. You know, edge of four on the edge. That's nice. Yep. I'm going to say no. 
Not doing it. I'm going to say I'm not doing it. I'm going to say he's going to get paid, and I'm not going to give up that kind of money for him. But I still don't know about J.D. long term, but I know I'm on the hook for at least $16 million here for yep. next year, assuming he decides to, you know, it works out that he's going to play under the tag and you didn't work out some other long-term deal. But I think even in that case, you know, yeah, you're parting with some serious cash under the cap for him this year if you agree to a long-term deal. So I'm going to say no to Trey Flowers. Yeah, I would say no, too. I would think the the Dolphins with Brian Flores down there, having yeah. coached him, Patricia with the Lions, maybe that would make some sense because yep. they both need pass They know him. All right, number two, Le'Veon Bell, running back. No, thank you. Move along. Okay. I, I Here's the thing. I think he's a tremendous player. Let's not – confuse the issue here he's a tremendous player who would help any team he's going to on the football field i i don't like the way he handled his business every band has a right it's a free market okay you don't have to play under that tag i think pittsburgh's all screwed up as an organization right now even though they've been one of the better organizations and one of the very best in the league for the last 45 years but the point is this I just don't like guys who decide to not play. Yeah. Just, it bothers me, Johnny. Something about it just bothers me. I Just take I the, the money. You know, you get hit by a bus. Take the money and play. Well, you're sacrificing the long term. You're always sacrificing. It's $14 million. $14 million. You'll never make it back. It just bothers me, and I don't want them. Thank you. Number three. Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes, let's just say for this one and the next one, right, that – you don't get Tyron Matthew or Kareem Jackson back. Mm-hmm. Earl Thomas. Oh, I'm going to think about this. 30 years old. Yeah, I know. Okay, number three, Earl Thomas. Number four, Landing Collins, New yeah. York Giants. Yeah, you know, here's the interesting thing about the safeties. There are a lot of them. So this is going to be a real interesting game here, the gamesmanship of free agency <laughs> and the free market with all these safeties out there. And Weddle yeah. got released this week from the mm-hmm. Ravens. You have a very crowded market here, and you have some safeties in the draft where, all right, you know, how many guys are going to go in the first three rounds, Johnny? How many safeties? Five, six, seven, yeah. maybe? All it's right, a so, decent safety class, I would de- think. Decent, right? Day so, two, yeah. And, and I'm looking at, you know, here the Texans come into play in more ways than one here. They'll be in the market if they lose Matthew and Kareem, and they'll also look at uh, the other teams, uh, other parts of the world are going to look inward and say, or or outward at the Texans and say, Justin Reed did very well as a third yeah. rounder. Maybe I can find somebody like that for my football team who can start right away and make plays right. for me. Right. So I think Younger, it's gonna, cheaper. It's going to dampen this safety market. So I'm going to say to Earl Thomas, uh, probably not, but I'm going to think about it because that's one that's Matthew signed late last year, right, or later than the rest, right? Yeah, a little bit later because he got he got released a couple of oh, days yeah. into the new league. Year. Okay, so yeah. that was a, a unique situation. But I'm going to say I'm going to think about it for a couple of days after the market opens. What about Landon Collins? He's 25. He's five years younger yeah. now. He's more. See what six ten did with him with the video and and he commissioned the video. Oh, it was pretty funny. The, yeah. He's they asked more, him the question. He's more a box guy, so I don't know yeah. if that I don't know if that helps you. Because, you know, a lot of times Kareem, when he was at the nickel, he would play down in the he box. Play in the box and play well. But Kareem would could cover. He could yeah. cover inside. Well, is Collins incapable of coverage? I don't know. I don't think he's great. I, I mean, I, all right, so, like, Mark Barron or Collins? You have to take one of them. Who Collins. Are you taking? Collins. I take Collins. Okay. Bar- Barron's turned into a linebacker. Yeah, he's, de- he's a so, linebacker with a low number. Uh, number five, Nick Foles. No. Uh, <laughs> number six, Preston Smith, outside linebacker from Washington. No, I think that's um, – Kind of along the same lines. Like, even if you don't, even if for some reason Clowney with the franchise tag, it's just not working. Yep. He says what Le'Veon Bell says. Like, I'm not playing. I want a long-term deal, et cetera. 
You still have Whitney Merciless. Right. You still have Duke Edge four as a right. young guy. I, I don't know that you're going to put money there. Number seven is Tyron. Would love to bring him back. Yeah, um, please. Absolutely. Number eight, Sheldon Richardson, defensive tackle. No. I think the price tag is going to be too high. Yeah, yeah. I Look, I know that the Texans have their own free agent issues with uh, with this position group because, oh, DJ Dunny. I know. He's a free agent. I know. Where's he on this list? Dunny should be higher. I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay, it's probably a little bit lower on the yeah, national list. Yeah, I think. Uh, but Dunny and Christian Covington, mm-hmm. I need guys. But I've got – how do they feel about Carlos Watkins? That's a question. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I watched the Philly game, and he got some reps in the Philly game, and I went, you know, one thing that I said about Carlos coming out of Clemson was that, if anything else, he could be an interior pass rusher. Like, that could be his thing. Like, he got a lot – he got all his sacks. But many of them he got just going one-on-one against the center, beating the center, getting a sack. He had 10 sacks or 10-and-a-half sacks his senior year. It's a pretty good interior number. So I watched the Philly game and watched him specifically and thought, boy, he's come a long way in a couple of years. So I think he's going to be in the mix and has to be in the mix. He's got to take a – I think he's got to take a big step. I think him taking that step with bringing a couple of your other defensive linemen back, I, I would be okay with that. I think Richardson is going to be Angelo too Angelo Blackson's free, right? Yes. But you could give – Bring him back on like he'll be yes. the defensive lineman equivalent of Alfred Blue last year. Right, you know you can right, bring right. him back on that kind of deal. You know the equivalent to the position group. So I think you'll find a way on the D line. I don't have to go heavy money on the D line. So number ten mm-hmm. is Dominican Sue. No, okay. Number nine, I'll never forgive him for what he did to Matt Shaw. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. Number nine, mm-hmm. Trent Brown. You know, all right. So here, here is the deal with Trent Brown. This is me talking, not yep. the Houston Texans, but I'm going to go heavy on Trent Brown. I'm going to be in this game. He's going to get paid. I I bet it's going to be very difficult. You might lose the sweepstakes mm-hmm. like you did with, with Nate Solder, Solder yeah. last year. I think he's better than Solder at this point, you know, for what you need and what who he is. Mm-hmm. So he's going to make a ton of money here, Johnny. But, you know, you are in a situation where you want to get somebody in here. And yep. It, you know, this is where I'm going to overspend. If I'm overspending, I'm overspending on him right now because it's such a position of need, and then I'm going to go ahead and draft anyway and just see what happens. And uh, you get kind of a, a double whammy win, if you will, because he at least knows the verbiage. It's kind of like the he safety position last year, right? They had a lot of options, and they mm-hmm. ended up with a with a good safety stable. Yeah. And they had a lot of guys at corner, too, and look what happened. They all got hurt. So I, I'm not going to worry about having too much in here in, at the, the tackle no spot. At this, okay. You got to say yes or no to the next 10. Okay, go. Okay, because we're going to do this quick. Yep. Uh, Ziggy Onsa, defensive end, Detroit. No. Zadarius Smith, 3 4 outside linebacker, Baltimore. No. Ronald Darby. Although corner. maybe on him. Darby, corner. I'm, I'm thinking about I'm it. I'm thinking yeah. about it. Uh, Juwan James, offensive tackle, right tackle for Miami. You tell me. Uh, I might. I'm going to think about it. If the price is really yeah. right. Darrell Williams, offensive tackle, Carolina is very intriguing, but he's coming off of injuries, and that's. Ugh. Yeah, but again, if you can get bargain basement, that's you know, Chantrell Henderson type, well, maybe a little elevated from that. Yeah. Golden Tate, wide receiver Philly. Oh, this is a really interesting one. He's going to get some money, though. He's 31. Yeah. That, look, I, Johnny, I need insurance there. I know. And, and like I said, I it's health insurance. It's not life insurance. It's insurance I'm going to be using. Yeah, that's true. C.J. Mosley, linebacker, Baltimore, no. Here's a very intriguing one, number 18. I'll stop here. Okay. Adrian Amos. Who played in college for whom? Bill. Played for Bill O'Brien at Penn State. 
in <laughs> Nittany Lion Land. Under the shadows of Mount Nittany. Uh, if you know. if you lose Tyron and you lose Kareem, that might be the guy I go after. Really? Yeah, I might good do that. Price, good, good price, good player. Good player. Good price, good player. Knows. Those coaching staff. I mean, I think that might. You've be got really Reed. You got Hal. I mean, you have some some strength already. Yeah, absolutely. Here, and you're building around it and with it. But you you saw it in the playoff game of the Chargers against the Ravens. Teams are playing seven defensive backs. Yeah, yeah. You can't have enough of those They're guys, going, especially guys that can cover and play in the middle. I mean, nickel is so old school. I, I mean, you played a lot of nickel, then dime, then dollar, and it's it's crazy now. <laughs> Mark, appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you. Johnny. All right, here we go. Newly minted offensive coordinator Tim Kelly joins us next right here at Texans All Access. A few weeks ago, Tim Kelly, former tight ends coach, was named the offensive coordinator for your Houston Texans. Finally got the opportunity to sit down and break bread with a guy that we've known here in the building. We now introduce to you Tim Kelly, offensive coordinator of the Houston Texans. How does it sound when you hear that? It's the first time I've heard it, you know, having your voice say that, so it sounds pretty good, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) So we should start with congratulations. And that lasts, I'm sure, all of two seconds because at that point you're thinking, of all the different things that you want to do, that you need to do. But the first step was to start getting ready for the combine. How was that experience for you in this role? It was good. It was a little bit different, you know, a little bit broader view on on the players that we're looking at, you know, me personally. Um, You know, in the past it's been focused solely on offensive linemen or tight ends and, and kind of just having a broader view this, you know, this past week was interesting. What about doing what you do here in the building prior to this and running meetings. Bill O'Brien talked about you running some key meetings, and you know, I'm sure it was other stuff as well. But that helps in your climb to yeah, the coaching sure. ladder. Sure, getting you know, getting anytime you can get in front of the room and and present, you know, try to grab everybody's attention. More importantly, keep everybody's attention. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I think it's good. So I think that was a you know, a, a good opportunity for me to grow last year with him being able to put me in front of the room for for a few days a week and and present the things that we did present, you know, the the first and second down defenses, the third down defenses, the personnel. So all those little different aspects of the game plan that we, you know, I was able to get up and, and talk about, I think was, was good in my development. Tim, when you started here, you started here as an offensive assistant. How did those years as an offensive assistant help you as you moved up the ladder, as you got to be the tight ends coach and now moves you into an offensive coordinator role? How did, the, how did that time where – we would see you. I mean, all the time. You were yeah. you were doing the the grind, the gritty work that a lot of people don't want to do or can't do. How do you think that experience helps you going forward in this role? Um, you know, I think all that all that experience really kind of teaches you the nuts and the bolts of the of the offense and the defense and how people kind of see things. So, you know, sitting there and, and you know the countless games broken down and the countless drawings made things along those lines really really helps you kind of learn it's almost like a karate kid type deal like wax on wax off and yeah by the end of it you you know you've learned this copious playbook so um you know very thankful for the opportunity you know to to do those grind like jobs yeah. and things along those lines because it did end up teaching me a lot major points for the mr miyagi reference <laughs> right there perfect. we like yes. that now minnesota state moorhead yes, you were sir. defensive coordinator yeah. there how yeah. about that? You're yeah. a grad assistant the year before, then you become a defensive coordinator. Yeah. What was that experience like? Well, it was different because it, it, it happened mid-year. So, you know, they they let the, the defense coordinator that was there, you know, before me go, like week six or whatever it was. So I think I only had five games as a, as a coordinator. But it was, it was you know, interesting kind of one day you're the D-line coach, the next day you're the defensive coordinator. All right, let's go. Let's go do this. So, um, you know, it was it – was, 
challenging to say the least. Tim, when you see coaches, you know, some coaches will go from one place to the other. You know, Carl Smith coming from Seattle, coming here, he's going to have fresh eyes on a situation. You've been here the last few years. You've seen this offense change and transform, and then obviously Deshaun gets added in 2017. Sure. But just taking 2017 as it is, what's the biggest – or excuse me, 2018. Taking 2018 and moving forward and taking it up to another level, what's the biggest thing that the offense has to do to go to a different level? It's very good in 2018 at times, but where do you want it to get in 2019, and how do you think you get there? Yeah, I mean, I think you always want to be moving forward. And first and foremost, you know, without getting into too much detail, I think you want to look at the consistency of really everybody involved. So as we're going through and we're watching the different cut-ups and, you know, you're looking at, at, at areas we were, you know, pretty good at and other areas that we need to improve at, for the most part, it's just people being consistent, coming in and doing their jobs play-by-play, week-by-week, and being able to do that um, I think is going to take us to where we want to go. Since you've come into the building, obviously there have been different quarterbacks here, you know, many different situations offensively. How does that help you experience-wise as you get ready for the future with this team? I think it provides you with a lot of answers. You know what I mean? Like uh, we have been in a ton of situations, you know, people breaking legs in Indianapolis and, yeah. you know, Tommy getting rolled up on and then, oh, my God, what do we do now? Or, yeah. Um, so I think it kind of builds with your experience of all the unique situations because not every situation is the same, but, you know, if you have this this big bag of um, things that you've been through, you can kind of draw back and say, well, this is kind of similar to how we handle this situation or this is kind of similar to, you know, in 15 when this happened. And at least it kind of gives you a starting point as to how to handle different things. And now you walk in the building, and one of those quarterbacks that did tear his leg up is now working for you at TJ sure. Yates. It's weird how this weird this world works, but what does a guy like TJ provide for you as an offensive assistant in a role that you used to be in, now he's now in a role similar to that. How does that help you going forward, Tim? Yeah, I think it's a, you know, a very, very valuable tool to have you know, with us because he does provide a, a player's perspective. And then you know, with him being a quarterback and, and you know, rather successful one, he's able to kind of tell us what he's looking at or what he would look at, just kind of give us a, you know, a, another unique perspective in the room. Eastern Illinois. So this is like an NFL hotbed, really, <laughs> when you think about some of the players that have come out. Uh, when did you know you wanted to be a coach? When did that happen for you, Tim? You know, when uh, you know when we lost our last playoff game, I knew that I'd, I wasn't done with it yet. I knew I wasn't good enough to play anymore, but uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't ready to, to let the game go. So, uh, you know, I talked to my, some of my coaches that I played for and asked what I could do to stay around and, you know, kind of just, just kept hanging around and ended up getting a graduate you know, a system position, and we were off and running there. What's the biggest difference in your mind? Because you got into it very young like that. So did Bill O'Brien, by the way, of course. So what was the biggest difference? What stood out to you right away when you started coaching as a grad assistant? How much work the coaches do you know, yeah. as a player. You're like, well, <laughs> like what am I getting myself into? Exactly. <laughs> right. Then, you know, that, that first camp rolled around, it was an eye-opener. I was like, oh, my goodness. So, yeah. yeah, definitely the amount of work that goes into it, just the, you know, the amount of detail that goes into it was eye-opening. As you thought about being a coach, I'm sure over the years you've talked to many different coaches, and when you tell people, yeah, I'm going to go be a coach, I'm going to do this, have you gotten like a piece of advice from somebody along the way, a coach, a, a parent, a friend, a family member, as you started, yeah, I'm a coach, and they said, hey, this would be the one piece of advice I'd give you. Have you ever gotten a piece of advice from somebody like that? Yeah, well, my dad would always say, just keep your head down and don't get yelled at. So, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That <laughs> that's been the biggest <laughs> the biggest piece of advice. Just keep 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 your head down, keep working as hard as you can, and the goal at the end of the day is to not get yelled at. If you can do that, then you're doing a good job, and 
just keep pushing forward. That's just a corollary of the advice I got, which was don't suck. That was it. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of it's all one and the same. No you doubt. Know? Don't that, suck. That's kind of negative reinforcement right there. Though. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not surprising who I got it from, so you know that person. But but that said, I, you, you think about from a coaching perspective and the advice you get and the advice you, you give – you get a lot of young people that come through, and last year you had two young guys at tight end that you were responsible for, Jordan Thomas and Jordan Akins. Let's start with them because you were with them in particular as young guys. What did you see in them from the day they stepped into the building to the day that we checked out after the Colts lost in the playoff? What did you see in them and the transformation of those two players in particular? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, especially from – we'll start with Jordan Thomas. Like, he, he really uh, – developed as a tight end he didn't really do that that much in, in mississippi state right you know more of a, a wide receiver we kind of all know the story there but the amount of work he came in and it's you know it, it's a tough deal that we ask some of these tight ends to do like a lot of times you're out there blocking the best player on their defense whether it's jj or Clowney or you know and, and sometimes you don't have a whole lot of help so um you know he he came in with the right mindset every day to work and then jordan aikens you know he was he was mr consistency like he would come in every single day be the same person um you know very level-headed never too you know never too excited never too down on himself so he just came and kept working and kept you know if he had any questions or anything on those lines he'd come and ask and he was you know he was as consistent as they come for a rookie all right can i test my theory with you on why tight ends coaches can often become really good offensive coordinators because the tight ends are involved. They got their hands in everything. Mm-hmm. O-line, their receivers, they're yeah. a little bit of everything. Does that play into it? Absolutely, because you do. I mean, you need to know the run game. You need to know how to run routes. You need to know, you know, the, the passing concepts. Then you also need to know protections as far as am I blocking here or, or my, my hot responsibilities. So you do kind of have a, you know, a piece of every part of the offense. And as a tight ends coach, yeah, you have to you got to know what Mike Devlin wants to do. And you got to know what Johnny Perry wants to. Exactly. You got to know everything. Yeah, kind of be on the same page with everybody. So, you know that that was a uh, uh, you know very important part of it. And I was fortunate to have Dev and, and Johnny and have you know be able to lean on those guys for certain things. And and you know they they helped me out a, a ton over this past two seasons. Tim, right. I would imagine as a coach, you're always always sitting there with pencil and paper, and you're always doodling. Hey, this play might look good. But now that you've stepped in this role of offensive coordinator, have you done that a little bit more? As you're watching some of these prospect tapes, are you looking at a, a scheme going, hey, I kind of like that, you kind of drawn it? Are you doing a little bit more of that? Yeah, I think, you know, anytime you're watching uh, a, a lot of film, you always have these ideas that kind of pop in your head. So I think as a coach, you're always like, dang, that, you know, that, that's a pretty good idea there. Yeah. I should drop that down. So I wouldn't say I'm doing it any more or less than, than, than I have been in the past. All right, Tim. Hey, thanks a lot for being with us. Well, thank you. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Like I said before, we've known Tim Kelly from the day he set foot in this building in 2014. As he mentioned, he coached at Penn State with Bill O'Brien. He came here and he jumped on the offensive side of the ball, and he was an offensive assistant, became the tight ends coach, did a great job with those young guys in particular we talked about, and now the offensive coordinator for your Texans. All right, we get back. It's time to go in the lab with Drew Doherty, and this week I tell you about Cody Ford, offensive guard. We'll do that next right here at Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access on this wonderful Wednesday evening. Hopefully the freeze is over and done. We can see the sun hopefully come out a whole heck of a lot more. Uh, next few days doesn't look like it, but maybe it's maybe it's coming. Maybe spring is actually here. Appreciate you guys being here. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter for your Houston Texans. And each and every Tuesday or Wednesday, Drew Doherty and I do a podcast called In the Lab. And since draft season began a few weeks ago, 
Drew has started a part of in the lab called Tell Me About. Johnny, tell me about Cody Ford, offensive lineman from Oklahoma. I'm glad you mentioned offensive lineman. I didn't say tackle. I, exactly. I I'm, didn't say left tackle. And I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Because I, after seeing him in Indianapolis and watching him in Indianapolis and watching his tape throughout the year, I'm fairly convinced that he is a guard. Hmm. I think he is a guard. I think teams want him to be a guard. I know for a fact there's one NFL team that absolutely, and it's not us, I just I happen to be on on a flight, and whoever was on the flight had some in, information. I saw it. There's an NFL team that I know definitely thinks he should be a guard. Hmm. Um, so and I, and I would imagine that team's not alone. So I think that Cody Ford is going to end up being a guard, and I think he's going to be a darn good one. Yeah. The one thing that stood out to me, Drew, and you can see some of this on the field, but when you know the whole underwear Olympics thing, you know that gets to you know people kind of poke fun at it. But one of the one of the reasons for it is you can really see the body types of these guys, right? And I was he looks like a guard. His trunk is so big, mm-hmm. like his butt and his legs are so big, and it doesn't preclude him from moving well out on the edge, but. I really feel like, and I have him in the Harris 100, and I think I have him as listed as a tackle. And going into my second iteration, I will put him as a guard. Oh, okay. and I won't. I won't even up. put tackle. Yeah. I'm going to make. I'm going to make him a guard. Now, for the Texans, does that preclude him from being a draft pick? No, not at all. Because if you want to continue to improve this offensive line, you'll take all steps. And if Cody Ford is there, and you've assessed him as such, and you love everything about him, and he's as you look at it, he's better than the guys you have, and you have the opportunity to draft him at number 23, then let's rock and roll. Let's make this offensive line uh, as good as it possibly can be. And Cody Ford transition back, can, transitions back to guard. And here's his timeline was he was a guard in 2017. Mm-hmm. Then when Orlando Brown went to the NFL, right tackle Bobby Evans went to the left side. They bumped him out to tackle to open up spots for Drew Samia and Ben Powers. So Ford went to right tackle just because of that movement in 2018. But he played guard in 2017, and I think that's ultimately where he's going to go uh, in the NFL. I think that's where it suits him. He's 330 pounds, and he's from waist down. He just looks like he looks like he's 800 pounds. Yeah. I mean, he looks like Dalen Mack. Mm-hmm. Dalen Mack has kind of that same thing. So you know there's some power. You know there's the ability to, to move guys off the football. He's going to win some leverage battles. I was really impressed with what Cody Ford did, thinking of him as a guard at the combine. You know, it wasn't just it wasn't how he ran or did anything like that, but it was just the way that he moved, the way that he did everything with just this 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 power. And I think that's something that the offensive line for the Texans maybe lacks, just having that intense man. We're going to run right behind this guy because we know he's going to drive this guy three yards off the ball. He's got and he's. Listening to him in his interview with the mm-hmm. media, and yeah. I know you got to put an asterisk somewhat by that, but he was very impressive. I was very impressed with yeah. the stuff he was saying, the demeanor he had, the confidence he had. And then The Athletic did a really cool piece on him. Uh, they kind of followed him around and just sort of chronicled how grinding that week is, yeah. those few days are for these prospects. And I thought he I thought he came off well in that piece as well. So, yeah, he's, he's somebody that it's going to be fun to see where he goes. I mean, I could see him here. I don't think it will happen. Um, I think he's there's a possibility he's in that range, but he's definitely somebody that's been mocked to the Texans in a yep. lot of these mock drafts. Yeah, and I think they're thinking about him as a tackle. 
and I'm and I'm not ruling out Tiger Woodson, but he looks better suited to be a guard. Yeah, I think he's yeah. better. I think he's better suited to to be a guard. You know, look, this is a guy that's what 329 pounds, and he had a 28 and a half inch vertical leap. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, Andre Dillard had a 29 inch vertical leap. So wait, what is what does that mean, John? Well, the vertical jump is all about explosion. It's yeah. all about explosion. And Dillard's 315, 29 inches. He's almost 330, and he's doing 28 and a half inch. So. You know, from that perspective, and I watched him do the broad jump, and when they they reeled off his number, which was nine eight, I was like, whoa, <laughs> uh, nine six. Sorry, that's a darn good number. I mean, that's a that's a really good number. So, um, oh, actually, I did my math wrong. He's eight six, eight six, not nine six. So still that, good. That's why my math is off. Or eight eight. My math is still wrong. It was eight feet eight inches, which for a guy three hundred twenty nine pounds is not not half bad. Right. Not half bad at all. Uh, before we get into the two of each, who surprised? Andre Dillard, you brought him up. He's a guy that's the he's getting the lion's share of mock drafted to the Texan picks, mm-hmm. and I thought it was probably a reach to happen. Meaning, I think he's probably going to go higher before the combine, and I think now that we saw mm-hmm. the stuff that he did at the combine, yep, especially like the three cone, all that shuttle stuff, it doesn't look like he's going to be around. I mean, he's if it were if he were to be around, it'd be because there's a lot of quarterbacks and defensive linemen chosen early. Yeah, he's not getting us at 23. But I'll tell you who might. Who's that? It's Jonah Williams from Alabama. Which he's been, by a lot, a lot of folks, he's been like, oh, this is the best right. this this offensive lineman. This is that guy. But there are some things at the combine. His arm length. There were some things. I mean, just the way he, the way he looked comparatively to the tackles. I mean, his tape is really good. I think he fit would fit us because he's a zone-blocking guy. Um he had some problems with some power, especially against Cleveland Farrell in the championship game against Clemson. Um, he had you know problems with some power, but so really, he's the kind of guy. If you said, "Tell me about the Texas locker room," every single asset you would list is him. He's a gym rat. He can't get enough of this, mm-hmm. and he's just not a great tester. He's a really good football player, but I think Andre Dillard just has so many more assets that teams are looking for physically that they're going to go with a guy like Andre Dillard. Yeah. The problem is. You've got to escape that gauntlet in the in the middle of the draft, where you've got teams that need tackles. The Panthers need a tackle. They uh-huh. also need a center. You have the Vikings that are there. They they drafted Brian O'Neill last year. I don't know if they're happy with that. Um, they they need offensive line to protect yeah. you know the guaranteed boy Kirk Cousins. So there are going to be some teams that need tackle in that mix that are in front of the Texans. It's going to be tough for Andre Dillard and Jonah Williams to get there. But before the combine, I would have said. Oh, man, I'm pretty sure Jonah Williams is not getting to us. After the comment, I'm like, uh, maybe. I'd be fine with that. Maybe. I'd be all right with that. I'd be fine with that. Okay, let's flip uh, Let's flip over to the defense and come back to the offense. But name one defensive player, and I want to get two, but start off with one uh-huh. who did something, said something that really made you turn your head at the combine. Jamel Dean, Auburn. 6'1", 206, ran 4'3", 4'3", 0. Now, that's got that an injury got history. Got an he injury does. history. Transferred from Ohio State, but when you can run like the wind yeah. and you play cornerback, you are going to get uh, a little bit of love, aren't you? I can only imagine what the heck he was doing before he had three major knee surgeries from 2013 to 2016. Is he running a 4-2? Yeah, I, I have no idea. But you know, he was not a guy that I spent a lot of time studying, I'll be honest about it. I, I, did, not, I did not study him a lot. But you go back at and look Auburn. at his tape now. What do you see? But I no will. I will know. go back uh, and take a look at his at his tape. I thought he was a good football player at Auburn. First of all, I'll admit I didn't realize he was a senior. I wasn't. I wasn't paying attention to that. But I thought Auburn's front seven was really good. The front in particular was very very good. 
So sometimes you kind of discount some of the corners, like oh, well, he's, he looks good because that front seven's so good. But I will go back and definitely watch Jamel Dean because at 6'1", 206, running 4'3", that guy is prime. Like, you put him on a platter. That's yeah. exactly what the Texans and a lot of teams are going to be looking for. But the Texans are going to, I would think, kick a lot of tires on those knees, make sure that they're solid. Now, the last injury he had was 2016. He's not, he's not been injured or had any injury history after that from a knee standpoint. Now, That's a long time ago. If I remember one of the games, he had a cast on his hand this year. So he's played through that. That's um, nothing. It was either this year or last year. But that's a guy I could absolutely – when I saw that, I was like, whoa. I, and I, I texted a buddy of mine, and I just said, that guy's going to be a Texan. I don't know number 23, 54, 55, but I don't think he gets out of the second round. He's definitely not getting out of the second round with that kind of speed and that kind of size. So, And he's a good player. I just got to go figure out and go back and watch how good. Mm-hmm. But I know he's a good player because I, I remember watching him at Auburn. He stood out at certain points. But I want to go back and see how good he was. We get these emails uh, because we work in the video department, and they're, they come straight from the NFL Network. And you can choose to activate them and put them up on HoustonTexans.com if you want. And basically, they send every single 40 that they record. Yeah. And so, and it's in the subject line, so you don't have to watch the video. You can see what it says. So over the last couple of days, when corners and safeties were running, I, you know, I was looking. It'll come in succession. You'll get like seven yeah. or eight at a time, and I'll just yeah. boom, 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 boom. And anything under four, four, I'm like, what, what? And so when I saw that, I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. Who is this Jamel? So Definitely. I looked him up, and yeah, it's it's something, and someone who is very intriguing. And uh, yeah, you say four, three, and you see what other teams have done over the last couple of years at receiver mm-hmm. when they've had success. I'm cool with uh, get a fast guy that can play some corner. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So he's one okay, defensive he's player. One. Who's who's another one? One more. Oh, really so, something that, well, I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two guys. And, and I don't think the Tex the Texans, a will not have a shot at either one of them. It's fine. Maybe one, but they're not going to because, their stack are off the ball linebackers, and I think the Texans are pretty good at those positions. And it's the two Devins, the two Devins, Devin Bush from out of Michigan, um, whose dad played in the NFL, his dad played safety at Florida State, and then Devin White, linebacker uh, at LSU. Drew, this every single thing that they did, every test that they did. Here's how it went: Devin White ran four four two and forty. Devin Bush ran four four three. Linebacker. Devin White did twenty two reps to two twenty five. Devin Bush did twenty one. Devin White posted a 39-and-a-half-inch vertical. Devin Bush Jr., 40-and-a-half-inch vertical. White posted a 9-foot, 10-inch broad jump. Devin Bush posted a 10-foot, 4-inch broad jump. Devin White had a 7.03 short shuttle. Devin Bush broke 7 seconds with a 6.93 short shuttle. These guys are inside linebackers or off-the-wall linebackers coming to the NFL. Now, they're six foot two thirty-seven. And you're like, wait a second, what's Bernardrick? Bernardrick's like 6'3", 6'4", 255. In a short amount of time, Bernardrick's kind of a, a dinosaur in some sense. Like, yeah. Look at every single linebacker and look at the weight of every single guy at the combine. There aren't many of them over 240 pounds. In fact, I want to say there were maybe three or four. 235, 237, 239, 231. That's what players are coming to the NFL because they got to be able to cover backs, they got to be able to cover tight ends, and most importantly, they got to stay on the field all three downs. So there's so much that they've got to be able to do, and those two guys, with what they're doing, I knew they went sideline to sideline. I've seen many games of those guys, and I love both of them. But I knew we're not we're not going to draft these guys. 
but the way that they run to the football, you think about Darius Leonard. Darius had a 4-7 at the combine, by the way. And think about how he runs sideline to sideline and what he's all he's able to do for the Colts. You think about what Zach Cunningham does for us. And you see this, and it's the testing is more than matching up with the tape. Absolutely. What you're talking about. Yeah, when you see Devin White go sideline to sideline, you're like, that joker's fast. And then he runs a 4-4-2 and confirms it. And say with Devin Bush, you see the same thing. You're like, oh, man. He goes sideline to sideline and tracks dudes down. And then he runs a 4-4-3. So you're seeing the timing match up. I knew they were fast. I did not see 4-4-2 or 4-4-3 coming. Are they – where do you put them round-wise now? I think Devin White's top 12. Depends on what happens to the quarterbacks. But the Bucks are sitting at pick number five. They have a, they have a need because it looks like they're not bringing Quan Alexander back. He's not going to go number one to the Cardinals. The Cardinals have a need, too. Um, I think I think he could be in play for Lions. Obviously, you know, Devin Bush. That's a little I, – I would think that White, to me, I have White ahead of Bush uh, in the in the Harris 100. I, this is between them as – I don't want to say significant, but it's probably eight spots. It's probably a little bit closer. Um, but I think you could take either one. I mean, it's just kind of which one so which you, one is available. So to you me. had him like top 20 before the yeah. combo. Okay. I had Bush like 22. I think I had Devin White like 12. Okay. Okay. And I probably won't. I might move Bush up maybe a few slots, but I but not not too much more. Theoretically, this is good for the Texans. Absolutely. Because this means Absolutely. you push these guys into the top two more, mm-hmm. into the top 22 that aren't an offensive lineman. Absolutely aren't a corner, that means somebody good might slide to you. And you got a little bonus combine discussion there, talking about some of the guys that impressed on the defensive side of the ball. We talked about Kevin Johnson. We talked about the offensive guys that impressed. We did all that on in the lab, so go check it out wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever. I don't know, maybe there's a special podcast page where you go. If that is what you do, go to it. Go like it, go favorite it, go do whatever you got to do, but mainly just listen to it. And hopefully you will uh, find some stuff that you like, but that's a little snippet of it. You can listen to the rest of it, like we said, in the lab podcast. Go check out Vandermeer's View, Deep Slant. And if you're so willing, my site, I got the footballtakeover.com. You can check out the podcast I just posted today talking about the quarterback dominoes in the NFL. So lots of podcasts that you could ultimately listen to, no doubt. Big thanks to Mark. To Drew, for you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We will see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.